Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Today's episode is brought to you by Amio. Amio is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Amio will magically give you all the train, bus, flight and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Amio saves you time and money. And that's a win-win in our books. Amio wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next next booking. Just go ahead to amio.com and use the code listener five at checkout. This is valid through June 30th for new users and all modes of transportation. It's just a pick me up that 2021 needs. Amio plan book and love the journey terms and condition apply. Happy Friday. Oh, what a week. I'm so glad to be back with you. This is season four. This is episode number three. And we have been on a phenomenal roll. Today, we do not have a special guest. It's just all me. Don't worry. Our guests are coming back. Have no fear. I want to give a special uh, shout out to Vera Fair, who is our first guest. guest for episode number one in season four, as well as to Noel Davis, who was last week's uh, guest from Paris Fit Studios. What phenomenal women we had last week and the week before. I mean, we really have been killing it talking about self-care for first the first episode. And then the second episode, we were just talking about motivation and how, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to not necessarily alter your plan, but you got to try to deviate to get back on the track. So if you did not get on to or listen to either one of those episodes, do yourself a huge favor and go ahead and listen to the two episodes prior to today's. It has been such a phenomenal joy, to be honest with you, to be able to record with such great uh, guests. I mean, it, I'm not necessarily looking for just, you know, female guests, male guests. I'm looking for people who have wisdom wisdom and something that they need to share for the people. I mean, I would hate to just bring any old thing and any old person to you. So I'm very selective, but our guests have been so bomb and so amazing. And we know this has been a a long week. It's always a long week. I always say that. I want to say if this is your first time, welcome to Conversations with Toy. In this space, we try to be as ourselves as we possibly can. And in that there are going to be times when some of the topics are going to be triggerish. I will never know what topics will be triggerish for you. But if I feel like one will be I try to uh, put a little disclaimer. So I I try to do that kind of every episode, because I don't know your journey and everyone's journey is so different. But if this is your first time, don't make it your last. 
make sure that you not only subscribe to the show, make sure that you share the show and review it. Trust me, reviews go a long way. Subscriptions, they go a long way. Numbers matter, people. Numbers matter. Um, but and be, uh, beyond numbers, it's just always about being in this space a space where we can have real authentic conversation about some of the topics that some people consider to be taboo topics that people would try to stray away from. I am the type of person that will hit it right on the head. Why? Because we live in a world where everyone wants to censor and I understand that completely, but there are some conversations that just kind of have to be had. When you think about when people live their lives, we don't know if people are living with other people, if they're single, if they're by themselves, whatever the case may be. And you have just like I do, you have thoughts and things that's on your mind. And sometimes I'm just the type of person that just will go ahead and say what you're already thinking. And that's kind of how we just roll with the punches around here. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Latoy. I go by Toy. I am a podcaster, obviously, because you're here in this space. But I also am a blogger. I am a wife. I am a mother of three. Uh, I have a lot of titles, right? I'm a sister. I actually have a twin and a younger brother. I'm a daughter. Um, an aunt. I'm an amazing aunt. I love my nieces. And I mean, you know, when you have all these different titles, I also when you just peel all those different titles away. I am a woman who is learning to pave her own way. And for me, that means finding the beauty in life, accepting the mistakes and the flaws. I have lots of those. And I talk about them often. I know everyone is like, why do you always throw yourself underneath the bus? Because who else gonna do it? Like when somebody else throws me underneath a bus, they're doing it to be intentional to hurt me or to make sure that I suffer in some type of way. But when I put myself out there and I'm just like, hey, I blew it again, it's because it's a learning. I, I've learned something from it, right? I, I've learned something. And from that knowledge, from that lesson, I just don't have any problems of sharing that lesson with someone else in hopes that somebody will hear, somebody will be in the position to receive, and then they won't also fall in the same manner. So this week has been very interesting. It's been one full fledged week that I have been basically, I call it summertime mom. Uh, my kids have been online for the school year. The school year has now ended one week ago. And so now I have to switch over to being um, summertime mom, which also means to juggle my responsibilities and not have the distraction, which is semi of a distraction of school. So when the kids are in school, it was easier for me to just try to like plow through assignments. So I actually knew my kids schedules very well when they had to be online. And so I would set my timer to complete things and it was working because I was like, listen, I only got this hour and this hour I can get this whole block done or in this hour I can do one whole meeting and now I don't have that. So it's a little bit, actually a little bit better now that I don't have that because I can do a longer stretch of time. My kids are old enough that they are able to uh, be able to play on their own. Um, we can do activities in a you know, short amount of time and then I can go right back into, you know, my focus but it's also a little bit more time consuming because school is no longer a distraction. So I have to step away. I have to pull away. And that's just how that goes. So one week out and I always give the kids at least one week of doing whatever it is that they choose to do within reason. Let's not be too crazy. I'm not one of those parents that just let their kids be buck wild. But within one week's time, they get to rest. They get to play. They kind of do their own thing. And you can rest assured by next week, I will have some sort of schedule set down where we will have some structure because I think kids need structure. At least in my home, they need structure. And if your home 
you are free parenting. God bless your soul. I don't have the thing. My anxiety cannot deal with that type of parenting and I don't knock it. It's just not for me, right? It's not for my children. I don't think they could deal with that. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's what I am. I am summertime mom. Now I am also summertime mom slash blogger slash podcaster slash businesswoman slash all of the things. And so my schedule is becoming a little bit more jam packed. And it's just a beautiful thing to just watch my even sometimes I step out of myself in a way. And I step out of myself and say, man, you really are handling, you know, you're doing it, you're doing the things that need to be done. You know why? Because I do have and every woman, every mom, every person will, you know, doubt themselves like, am I doing enough? So when those moments are not presenting themselves, I like to go ahead and give myself that compliment. And I think we kind of need to do that a little bit more often because we all recognize the negative things that we have going on. We recognize the things that are not working. We recognize the things that don't serve us. We recognize the things that just don't mean anything. They don't mean well. They're not really doing much for us. We know those things. So it's, it's very nice when you can just step back and give yourself a compliment the same way you would give another woman a compliment or another person a compliment you know you got to do better on making sure you up you know big up big yourself because you just should I wanted to talk about something so Monique we talked a little bit last episode about Monique and the whole um, hair bonnet situation and you know to each her own I have shared my thoughts. You can listen to that in the last uh, episode, but I wanted to come back with another conversation that Monique had that really hasn't really taken off as much. And of course, positivity um, never does. Anything that's filled with controversy always does, but the things that are filled with positivity and lessons that we really should be applying, it never takes off. Just for instance, like with my blog, I finally got my blog to the point where it literally can manage itself. And that's, and I've, I've, tested this. So I've had times where I've actually did not blog for one whole week. Anyone that's a blogger knows that you really should be blogging about three to four days a week um, to keep your, your content up, but also to keep your voice like, you know, to get on Google, to get the stats that you need and those different things. However, I have tested out the theory that if I don't blog for quite some time, because I have so much content, on my blog, my blog will basically sustain itself for a while, not forever, but at least for a while. So that helps me in times when tragedy in my family or something happens, or when I need to take care of responsibility, or I can't be or I need to be away. And it works. So Monique had the conversation a couple of days ago. And she was talking about how does your family view you? And I thought that was very interesting. I was talking to it to one of my best friends about it. We had a really authentic conversation. It was just really amazing. And we were sharing with one another that basically we agreed with what Monique said, because if your family, and I'm talking about the ones who live in your house, let me just keep this all the way 100. Those who do not live in your house are your family, 100%. But those who live and don't live in your house don't get to see your every day. They only know you from the point of where they have had interaction with you. For instance, I have cousins, I have aunts, grandparents, and those case may be, if I have a rough relationship with them, it's because of whatever I had rubbed them the wrong way, or they rubbed me the wrong way. So we may stay stagnant at a certain point and can't grow because we don't have interaction with one another every single day. But the people who live in your home, The people who have the closest relationship to you and they see you at your most rawest form, they have an opinion about you that may not fit the opinion that you would want them to be. 
If you are a parent and you are parenting your children, now we know kids can go a little crazy. They, you know, if you tell them no about something, they think that you're the worst mom since sliced bread, right? They just think that you're just the most awfulest thing. But consistently, how do they feel about you as a parent? Do they feel that when they're talking to you, when they're interacting with you, when they're around you, do they feel that you bring off love and kindness and understanding? And that was simply her question. When you're around your family, the people who know you the most, what do they believe that you are? Do they believe that you come from a place of love, understanding, and of a good place, like a good heart when they're interacting with you? And I had to take a step back. So I have been doing the last few weeks, not even a few weeks, to be honest with you, the last few years. I have been trying to take a step back. A lot of that I'm going to attribute to being in therapy. Now, I have taken a break from therapy because I don't believe that I have to stay in therapy for every single day, every week, every month. That's not my take. But what I will say is that when I have been or when I am as consistent in therapy, one of the first things that I talk about is my parenting. Am I giving my children enough understanding? Am I being patient enough? Listen, all parents know they're not being patient enough. Every last one of us. If you are a parent and you are listening, you know for sure you're not being patient enough. There's just a not enough patience. But daily when you wake up, my heart is always to ask God to equip me to be as tender, as understanding, and as much as I can give to them that I possibly can. And sometimes I find that I'm reaching them. And there are times when we have these rough patches when I feel like I'm not. But when I think about am I understanding enough? Am I love loving towards them? And am I kind? That intrigued me that made me think. I had a situation with my kids this week, where we were at a park, my son was just running around doing the most like boys do kept falling off the swing falling off the swing and I'm like are you hurt are, are you you know and I'm literally across the park now when I say across the park there's a track within the park and it's a very small track so the park the play area for the children is right in the middle and I love this park because it allows me to get to walk around it to get my steps to get some activity in because I'm not able to work out right now due to some uh, surgery that I need to get get in a couple of weeks and so I'm hollering, hey, are you okay? And I'm, you know, and he's interpreting my hollering as me actually yelling at him as if he was something had been wrong. So it's amazing to me the times that I do this and I try to do this as often as I possibly can is to have a conversation because sometimes a simple conversation can dead misunderstanding. So when I explained to him that the only reason why I elevated my voice was because I was literally physically a little ways from him, but close enough, then he understood that I wasn't yelling at him. And what happened was I had to have a conversation with him to say, Hey, why don't you calm down? Because you're not able to hear me. And I'm not going to be able to hear you if you're round up. And I've been trying my best to do that with them. Because you know, I was listening to another podcast. And, and I, this is like a year ago that I heard this, and it kind of changed the way that I talked to my kids for real is that when I go to yell or when my husband goes to yell, when we go to yell at our children, the message is, is like completely lost in transit in translation. Even if I'm 100, 2000% correct in what I'm saying, 
the way by which I deliver it matters because you can shut a person off from being able to hear you because they can't hear past the yelling. They can't hear past what's going on. So they're not able to receive the message. So trying this new technique and I, I and let me just keep it real. It's not necessarily a real technique. It's legit just taking five extra minutes to make sure that understanding is being presented. And so I've been doing that. This happened this week where I said, listen, I want you to understand my, the reason why I elevated my voice. And so I said to him, I know that you're frustrated, but I need you to communicate in an effective way. And what I'm hearing and what you're hearing is two different things. So why don't we take a deep breath, take a time out and figure out how we can communicate so that we can hear each other. As intelligent as he is, he was able to take his time. He was able to calm down. And even when he started talking the second time, he really wasn't as calm as he probably should have been. So I said to him, how about I'm recognizing that you're not as calm as you need to be. And we're not going anywhere to where we can't take a, this time out to talk. So how about you just take a couple extra more minutes and why don't you calm down? Now, I'm not downing my parents I'm not saying that what they did with us is is wrong but I know for a fact my parents would have never done that it would have been stop that crying knock it off go sit down you heard me you saw me I'm the parent all those things and again during those times back in the 80s and 90s I'm an 80s baby that is how parents communicated Right now, parents are trying to take the five seconds to understand because if you're trying to teach your children to understand and have good communication, it starts with them having to be able to talk. And if the parent is talking over the child because you are the adult, we're not really going to get anywhere because we're trying to form them to be intellectual people and they have five seconds of thought. Now, their opinion does matter. I know we grew, I knew I grew up in a time where kids were, their opinions didn't matter. And their opinion matters, not in the form of that they're telling you what to do, but this, the fact that you're listening to them and understanding and hearing them, especially as they get older, it's important. So that was the biggest lesson that I was listening to Modi and I could understand what she was saying was like, basically, what are you doing in your family? And if their family see you the way you think that they're seeing you. And so I'm hoping that I can always continue to change, evolve, and, and find a way to communicate. That's with my husband. You know, we've had him on this show before, and we've talked about some of the things that we have gone through, the good and the bad. And I'm going to have him back on this season as well, just to kind of talk some more. But just that having that conversation of like, what does he truly believe? Or what does he think of me? Now, all men are good at covering. They're not going to come out and be like, my wife is the worst thing since sliced bread. But in our relationship, we've had hard hitting questions and, and conversations and answers to things that most couples may not be able to do. Now we've been married for almost nine years. We've been together for over 20. We're really each other's friends. So it's easier for us to have some really hard hitting questions to where someone who may have been married for one year, maybe together for two to three, don't have that leverage of being able to be as clear with each other. But having communication that's clear is important. So ask yourself, how does your closest family or friends truly view you? Do they see you as someone who is understanding someone who is showing love? And again, it's hard to show love when the patience and that line of patience is truly thin. 
I am not sitting here saying like I'm the Dr. Phil mom or the Ayana uh, mom in this house. I'm, I can't say that. But what I am saying is that I am putting out the effort to have that understanding, to have that conversation, because I want my kids to be able to come to me. And you have to foster some form of relationship that's able to come to you. If you blow up about every little thing, your children are not going to feel safe. And I have gone to the, like I said, I've done the work to make sure, and I continuously do the work to be sure that whatever is going on, that I am attempting to make a, a environment that is conducive to that. And it doesn't start when they become, you know, when they become a teenager, then all of a sudden you're going to open this understanding. If you're not establishing that line when they're little, you're not going to have it when they get older. And that's for parents and for anybody. But to be honest with you, you don't have to be a mom to be able to to execute love, patience, and understanding with the people that you live with. You don't have to be a parent to show that to the your roommate. You don't have to be a parent to show that to your boyfriend, your girlfriend that you're trying to date and trying to get to know. You know, you still have to find a way to understand. And you know, miscommunication always happens when one or two parties are not communicating effectively. And that's something you got to ask, like, did you hear what I said? And you know, the whole repeating something back to someone and not doing it just because you want to be smart or being petty. Um, the ability to um, understand someone. And when you understand them, it doesn't mean that you agree, but you can understand where they're coming from and understand their point of view. That takes five seconds of extra listening, you know, listening for real, leaning into the person and actually having a place that you actually even want to listen. I'm not going to lie when I'm mad at my husband the most. Um, as just as an example, when I'm mad at him the most, it's hard for me to hear what he is saying. And this is the reason why, just like with my son, there are moments in relationships that you have to calm down. Just like if you're at your boss and you're working, there are moments when you have to take a deep breath and you have to calm down because nobody is able to hear one side over the other. So give that some thought about what Monique said. If you want to hear more reference to what she was saying, you can go on her Instagram. You can find her. She talks very vividly, but she was just asking like, what, do, how do they actually see you? And I, I've been putting some thought to that and I'm going to continue to just put a little bit thought on that and make sure that I am ready and prepared to be clear and that I'm giving them what they need in that aspect. So a few weeks ago, and I believe this might have been in season three, and I think it was probably one of the last episodes that I did. So Mother's Day, I always have like maybe an hour, hour or two to kind of like do my own thing. You know, kids, they, they want you to spend Mother's Day, you know, them, you know, you doing things with them, them giving you, you know, they're feeling like they're really loving on you. But for one hour, one hour to two hours on Mother's Day is usually mine to kind of just like veg out and do what I want to do. And for the first time, I actually had time to do some idle TV watching. And I was talking about the show where the woman, the couple, I should say, had a bunch of kids and I believe I want to say it was like 14 kids and yeah, 14 children. And she was pregnant then. And apparently she's pregnant again. So I don't know if this is 15, 16 or just number 15. I can't keep up, but the show is called doubling down with the Doricos, Doricos. I'm not sure if I got their name correct, but what I will say for me, um, I am not into the spirit of having 20,000 million children. 
But I, I say God bless to those who do, because I also feel like it's a woman's choice and a family's choice to decide what's best for them. And even though it may look off and crazy and weird to me, it is not my decision. It's not my body. I'm not the one carrying them. But I will say is that um, during the time that I was watching the show, she was having complications. This was the mother of the show. And her name is Karen, Karen Dorico, and her husband, Dion. And she was already having complications then. So to hear that she's pregnant again, I I just, you know, again, I always stand there for women's rights, for them to choose what is best for them. And for me, looking from the outside, of course, I'm going to have every opinion possible because it's not my life. It's not my story. And it's definitely not my body. So I'm trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't come off as I'm being ignorant, rude or inconsiderate to her, what her and her family and her and her husband, because I do believe as married couples, you should make that decision and choices about what you choose to do. But coming from a church, and I always hate to say this, but I grew up in a church where a lot of the women had these multiple um, babies and they were told to be fruitful and multiply. And it was really this whole, you know, this is what God wants for us and no birth control is off limits and not having kids is not in the books. And I knew one of the um, husbands, unfortunately, um, in the church that had to be subdued, almost not even almost had to be subdued out of the uh, room. So this, the, his wife could get her tubes tied because she was over it. And I'm not saying that that's their situation at all. I just say that I would caution people to do what is truly best and not do, you know, things just because I know they both said that they wanted to have a beautiful and large family. And from my outlook from it, they do have a beautiful, large family. And again, if it works for them, then kudos to them. Um, For me, I just think that we have to be mindful that, you know, the things that, you know, our great grandmas, my great grandmother had 12 children and you know, our bodies are not made the same. We don't have the same level of hormones that are in our food and just the different things that are in the atmosphere. And so our bodies don't, they don't make it the way that they used to make it back in the day. My great grandmother um, passed, she was like 92, 93, but like either between 91, 93 before she passed, you know, people are not living as long as they did back then. I'm not saying that all people, but I'm just saying our bodies and the health and the things that we have in the atmosphere. So I just would caution and say, I hope that they are in the best of health, that all of their beautiful children are healthy. I know that they did lose one child and um, you know, I just pray that, you know, whatever decision that they made, but I wanted to just come back and give an update because I couldn't figure out the name of the show. And that is the show. And again, I know plenty of women who have, again, you know, grew up in these, in my church when I was a kid, like, you know, these women were just having these kids and having these kids it was like back to back, like one kid and then six months later, another kid. And it was just like a, I won't say a train wreck, but in when I was younger, I used to think that, you know, I was a extremely opinionated 16, 17, 18 year old young lady. Again, I had no concept of life, but I will say now that I am a parent, um, having children is extremely expensive. My children, um, right now I have an oldest daughter who's wearing the same size shoe as I am. She is just about to clear me on height. She is um, 12 years old, right? I have a son who's right underneath her. He's 10 and he's wearing this almost about the same size. He's only one size under and he's only what two inches younger or I mean shorter than my, than my, my daughter and they're two years apart. And so therefore, when they get older, and as they get older, their clothes become more expensive, the things that they want become more expensive, you know, cell phones, electronics. And even if you said, okay, you didn't give your kids all those things, school, you know, 
if you want your kids to go to a halfway decent school, now you're talking about money for education, food, um, my grocery bill, if some, you know, like at this point, my grocery bill is is getting up there. So you know, when you think about the things that it takes to raise a family, yes, I know that God will provide. And yes, I know that it is going to be okay. And you're going to make the best decision that you can make. But you just have to be wise. Like, when I think about giving my all three of my kids a life that they all um, that they desire and that they should really have, you know, when kids are brought into families, it's not their choice, it's the parents choice. So you are bringing a child into a family. And if they come and they're in a situation where you got seven or eight of them in a room, I know that people, you know, I used to make pallets with my cousins and have big old sleepovers, but those are temporary situations, right? Pallets in temporary situations. That's not necessarily comfortably how a child should necessarily have to live. And so I just, like I said, I just want us to be wise. You know, we have to use the wisdom that makes sense. I know for me personally, my personal um, decision was never to have that many children. And, um, but again, everybody is not me and I am not them. So again, just wanted to bring that up because I knew I was going to bring it up because again, they had a, a pregnant with another child and I just wish them well. But let's all make decisions according to what makes sense. And not only what just makes sense that it's something that we truly desire as I would never want to live in a situation where I felt regretful for any reason. I'm not suggesting that she does, that he does, that they do. I'm just saying, be careful for what you're doing and make the best decision for yourself. But let's get into some talk about some of the things that we're seeing on the internet. I know we started off with the Monique conversation because it's very imperative that we really do check our pers interpersonal um, relationships with the people that are around us. Um, sometimes we can live in this little fantasy world. We really are thinking that we're like doing it. We're doing great things. And we may not necessarily be great things. And sometimes you have to humble yourself and say, hey, I'm not getting it right. Like I'm not saying it right. I'm not getting it right. And I'm not doing the things that I need to do. So, you know, take personal accountability. I am the first person that is all about personal accountability because I want to make sure that when I say something wrong, that I, you know, get it right, that I say that I'm sorry. And listen, the best apology isn't what you say. It isn't, isn't even how well you say it. The best apology is how you live it the way that you'd make the change from what you're doing. We've been teaching my kids that since they were babies, that they need to learn that their apology comes in what they do and not what they say. It's very important for you to change your behavior because you can have a lot of lip service and tell somebody you're sorry for bad attributes and things that you've said and done. But if those attributes that you're saying that you're sorry from doesn't turn, then you're literally just saying enough that you're hoping that the sting of what you've done no longer applies. I want you to be encouraged to understand that it still applies. If you're hurting someone's feelings and saying things to someone that doesn't make any sense, that is hurtful or that is mean, simply saying I'm sorry without change isn't really changing anything, but it's really just making you feel better as a person. And what does it do for you to feel better after you've hurt someone if the person that you've hurt is still left broken? If the person that you've hurt is still left open and wounded by you and you're walking as if everything is okay and you're not making any attempts to change that behavior. And some people can get used to that behavior. Some people get used to somebody saying, I'm sorry, with no change of behavior. And really, what are you doing? It's like being on a roller coaster that never stops. 
being on a roller coaster that has no stops as fun as and I believe that roller coasters are I can't live my life on a roller coaster every single day at some point my feet have to touch the ground at some point you have to stop doing the things that you're doing because while you're looking for someone to just simply turn their face as if they never saw what you did they did see you they heard you they felt you and it's not all right it's not okay. It's not right. And we have to do more than talk. We have to show with our actions how we plan to make a difference and what we said so that somebody can even start the healing process. You know, you can't heal if somebody is constantly ripping the bandaid off every single day. And that's what an apology is without action. You're just ripping the bandaid off, ripping the bandaid off, ripping the bandaid off. Like at one point, do you have to take that bandaid off so that there can be some air that gets to that wound and then it can begin to change? When is that happening? So I've been really just being really aware of the things that I've said, the things that I've done, the things that I'm doing to make a way to change and turn like, you know, you have to turn, you have to turn from that behavior and just do better than what you're doing. So a couple of weeks ago, this is one of the stories that have been popping all over the internet. So a couple of weeks ago, Alexis Sky. Um, and she's, I, be, I don't know if you know, want to call her an influencer, a socialite. Um, I really don't know. I saw, uh, a reality TV star. I would definitely say, um, Akbar V, um, got into a big tussle argument over the internet and Akbar V made very uncomfortable and disgusting comments about Alexis Skye's daughter. Now it's been a long time since I've actually watched this particular, um, I, be, I don't know what uh, love and hip hop or whatever show they're on. I haven't watched the show in such a long time. But again, because certain things keep coming up, keep coming up, keep coming up. You know, I honestly believe and this is just something that I personally believe and have had to deal with. I have gotten into huge disagreements with people. But I'm gonna tell you one thing that's off limits is my mama and my children. Right. So even if my mom and I were in a situation where we were, in, we were at odds, right? Even if that ever had come up and we were at odds, we were not talking, we were out of sorts. I just didn't have nothing to do with her. She had nothing to do with me. I'm going to tell you one thing. You don't talk about nobody's mama and you definitely don't talk about nobody's child. And unfortunately, these two women have gone back and forth, back and forth on the Internet. I had to look up like how long has this drama been going on? Team too much, team too long. And... She said something about the daughter, you know, called the daughter basically, uh, you know, saying that the child was illiterate, retarded or something just like it was just really an ignorant, nasty comment. And so my thing is this, I'm all for conflict, right? I can't stop conflict in the world. And back in my 20s, definitely early 30s, I probably would be ready to fight. And I know that sounds very hard to hear because I don't sound like the type of person that that would even be. But I'm telling you right now, that definitely how my life was in my 20s and my 30s. I would definitely want to square up. It would definitely be a problem. We can't be out here talking about um, people's mamas or their children because it's going to be an issue. And so Akbar V really just hit below the belt. I mean, not even people who was in her camp was like, nah, we're not going for that. That's not okay. So I find it to be interesting that she has now issued an apology. Will that apology be received? I can't even begin to tell you. Um, I would hope so. But you know, when you say things like that, again, I don't know, some people do a lot of things for clout, again, attention for the internet, likes, um, to go viral, people are really doing the most to go viral. And 
you know, when you start off a, 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 an apology, she said it in her apology, if I've offended anyone. I have a problem with the if I've offended anyone. Because when you say if I've offended someone, you know good and darn well you have. You know you've offended someone. So say, you know, because I've offended, because I've offended you, I want to make that apology. Um, to talk about somebody's child, it is really all bets are off. I don't know any parent that's just going to be cool, calm, and collective while you gather somebody's child and talk about somebody's child it has nothing to do with anything. And I believe Alexis Sky's child, there is some developmental delay. Um, she was a preemie child, which is really dear to me because my daughter was a uh, preemie when she was born. Just thankfully, she didn't have any other issues going on. But again, you cannot sit there and talk about somebody's child no matter what. I had uh, situations where different people, I won't say if it's family or friends, um, but I will say that they had talked about my, my child, two of my children at the time that were born. And I was just like, hold up, you know, flag on the play. We, we're not going to do that. And so I, I kindly asked them as politely as I could to retract that, to step back from that chill and just take a you know, divert from the conversation and the reality of it is is that they didn't obviously and so I have no workable relationship um, what I will say is I don't have a, a non-working relationship just because of the the comment about my children I feel like I'm pretty mature now um, even when I look back on it I don't not have a relationship with them because of the children comment that just added to the flavor of it. But where I'm at now and where I was in my 20s and my early 30s, you know, a lot of it was immaturity. A lot of it was, you know, childish. A lot of it was just the point where you feel like you have to be aggressive and you have to defend yourself for every little thing. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like at almost 40, I just let my life speak for itself. I'm not going back and forth with people. I don't even have that type of energy. I'm not doing it. Um, I allow people to think what they choose to think of me and allow the chips to fall where they may. It's not that I'm never in a situation where people saying certain things don't bother me because I am human. But for the most part, I can't really go around trying to do a campaign like I'm on the campaign trail, trying to get people to be on my corner and to like me. I know in this life, we are going to die with people loving us and we are going to die with some people not liking us. That is just the reality of life. And what I find is do the person that I'm attempting to get to like me, do they hold value enough for me to go through all these acrobats? Nine times out of 10, when you think about it in that aspect, you need to then will then let, be able to easily let go or make it easier to let go some people. These same people that I was arguing with and ready to you know square up in the streets when I took a step back, Will their opinion of me change what I'm doing? And the answer nine times out of 10 is absolutely not. Nothing that was happening, whether they were talking about my child, my mom or any of those things, all those, those are very hot spots and you will get a black eye, obviously in real life to a certain degree doing those types of things. But in the reality of those things, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have no contact with a lot of this, with the least particular people that I'm thinking about. And in addition to that, I don't need to impress them anything that's going on with my life. So then I begin to say, okay, since that is not the case, I can let this go. Right. Again, that's maturity. Again, that's down the line. Therapy comes in and it tells you, you know, you got to think better. You got to talk better. You got to act better. It doesn't mean that you become soft to the point where you just let anything slide, but you don't have to be aggressive towards every little thing. And I think the biggest lesson for me in that and the biggest lesson I'm hoping will Alexis and Akbar uh, V takes from this is that 
you know, you're going to get therapy, you know, that you're a toxic person, you know, everybody has a little bit of toxic toxicity in them. And it's up to you to deal with that so that you become better. But a part of it too, is that after a certain point, and you don't realize that you don't have the, you don't see a value in the relationship with that person. When you don't see a value, you don't put effort into making it work. And I had to come to a conclusion with that on both sides, whether it was me, whether it was them, if there's no value, if I don't see a value, I don't really have the incentive, the incentive to want to say, Oh, let me save this relationship. Let me fix this. Let me make things right. There's nothing, for, you know, at that point, there's nothing to make right. I'd not to say that that person doesn't have value individuals hold value relationships with individuals may not hold that much of a value for me I love the people I have nothing but love I send love and peace to the people I had issues with which most of them are really rectified it's only about one percent that are not because I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and everybody is not my cup of tea and I've gotten to the point where that has been as I gotten older I've gotten very okay with that being the case but for the one percent that's not I don't send any ill will towards them. It's just that I don't hold space. I don't have enough space. And I don't believe in giving people a front row seat to my life when I know they're just spectators on the side, right? You know, you go to the concert, you don't come there to see the people that's in the, at the venue, you will see them, but you don't come to see them. You come to see the headliner. If you have somebody that's opening, yes, that's great. But you didn't spend your money that you really cared about the opener. You mostly cared about the headliner. And so now that I feel like I'm becoming more of a headliner in my life, I realize that I don't have to spend time counting out how many of the people in the venue actually like me. How many of the people in the venue are helping me to build? Like, it's not going to be the case. So, and you're in a situation where you've ever had a disagreement, you've had a breakdown in communication, you really have to ask yourself, what is the value of the relationship? Although the value of people remains the same, everybody has value. No matter how bad that they have treated you and done the worst to you, they have value in who they are. They just don't have the value in the relationship. And so when you don't see value in a relationship, and this is exactly why when you, especially when you're in a romantic relationship, when you don't see value in it, that's why men don't marry women. They don't see the value in it. There's nothing about that person or a woman marrying a man. If you don't see value in it, if you don't see a reason to hold on, you don't see a reason to try to make it work. If you don't see a reason to communicate with that person, you're not going to do it. So when the relationship has no value, you can easily walk away. It's only when you feel like you're hoping that it's going to have value. You're hoping that something that you do will show them that you have value. You realize you already have value. It's just that relationship may not mean the same. I had to realize that. Like I realized that the person always will have value. I would never devalue another person. I don't care what the situation is. I'm not going to devalue that person, but that doesn't mean that that person's value is, it means the same thing to me. Like their relationship does not mean as much. I'm not going to hold on to it. So the, the, the craziness that these two women, grown women are going through, I think they're both in their twenties. I want to say maybe in their late twenties, I don't think any of them is in their thirties, but if they are, I'm hoping that they will do the same thing that I did as you get older you know better, you're wiser, you make better decisions. You're not always ready to fight. You're not always ready to pop off. You're not ready to do those things because you just kind of elevate it. Now, again, 
I know people who think that, you know, once you become, you know, you become older, you become wiser that you just let anything slip. That is not what I'm saying. You don't give people the, the, the high five to disrespect you. You don't give people the high five to continue to devalue you. You don't do that, but you don't always have to defend every little thing. In my twenties, I found myself really going off the deep end, defending everything that somebody said everything if somebody had him oh I heard so-and-so said something about you where they at where I'm gonna go over there I can't do that in my 40s I have a family right if I spent as much time defending everything that somebody said to me about me in my 20s and 30s I would never have the time to raise my family I would never be able to put the energy in making sure that my responses is right to my children. I would never have the energy to make sure that my, my relationship with my husband is solid. I would never have the energy to try to grow a business because let me tell you something with the blog and this podcast and the other things that I'm working on right now, I'm about to start doing some classes and listen, I got my hands in a lot of things right now. I would not have the energy to put that energy back into me and to the people that I want to help. I can't do any of that. None of that by trying to deflect and try to find a way to fight everything that was ever said and done. Some of those things that were said, guess what? Let's be real. You don't want to take this five seconds, close your eyes and take that five seconds. And let's be real. You were problematic. I said it one more. Let me say it one more time. If you take a step back and close your eyes and go back to the times when people were saying certain things about you, some of that stuff you're just gonna have to own because some of that, no matter how much you don't want that person to be the, the, be the vessel that said it, doesn't change the message. Some of us, like I can admit, there were some things that were said about me that were 100% spot on. As much as I can rah-rah about it then, and as much as I could deflect from it then, therapy was like, no, that was you, you that was, they was right. You might not have liked that they were the ones that had to be the vessel to say it, but it doesn't change that the message that they were correct. So sometimes you got to do like I did and own your dirt. You got to own the responsibility that you have made mistakes. I feel like if it wasn't for therapy and prayer, you know, therapy and prayer can go together. I know I, I got some PKs that's listen to this that only believe in prayer and faith. I want you to take prayer, faith and some therapy you need somebody here on earth that can check you, that can tell you that you're wrong, that can tell you to go back and fix it, that can actually tell you to go back and apologize because you know that's a humbling experience to have to go back and apologize for something that you said and did. But if you don't have somebody here on this earth that can check you, that doesn't don't have to be anybody that you know, doesn't have to be anybody that's related to you, that knows your business, that knows your situation. But you got to have a, somebody on this earth that you can speak and say, I am really struggling. This is what's happening. And then be receptive to saying, yes, that person was wrong, but this is where you were wrong, too. Therapy is not the place where you go and you talk about all the things that were done to you. And you don't also got to deal with the things that you have done to others or done to yourself. There are so many times where I've learned in therapy that I've disrespected myself by allowing certain behaviors to continue from other people. And the only thing I was focused on is what they said, instead of realizing the patterns of what they were doing. I completely missed their actions by only being compelled to be focused on the word choices that they were saying. And I'm letting whole action slip. Like my therapist was like, did you catch that? And I was just like, no. Let me, let me, she said, let me show you. Or he said, let me show you. 
You're so focused on what they're saying that you completely miss what they did. The disrespect sometimes don't even be what somebody is actually saying. Sometimes the disrespect is in the actions that that person is taking. And then I had to learn that in that I was the one that was actually allowing it to continue to happen, but blaming them for it happening. If I'm around somebody whose energy is messed up and I'm mad about their energy, but I haven't removed myself from that energy, which is a lesson that is becoming harder and harder sometimes for me to comprehend and to put into action. There are people in my life, not very much, but just a few straggling situations by which I need to cut myself off from them. I need to just deviate from the plan and leave them right where they're sitting and just go from there and just count my losses and just keep it moving and just believe that whatever I feel like I'm going to lose, I will be, it will be replaced in a different form. One of the biggest challenges, if you've listened to the episode where I was talking about, this is in season one, where I was struggling with moving to Philadelphia and struggling with this whole new life and, you know, getting acclimated to a new place, a new space that I wasn't used to. One of the biggest struggles was is that things had to be packaged the way that I wanted to I was talking about this village that I didn't have because I expected my village to be in grandparents and aunts cousins best friends and things of that sort but then I moved away and even after moving here I didn't have as much of the same types of quote-unquote village the package didn't look right so because the package didn't look right I had no incentive to can try to continue to try to make things work so I was more problematic in the situation because all I was stuck on is it had to be this certain way my village had to be consistent of my parents my fiance at the time's parents my now husband's mom um, it had to look like my friends coming together and just coming in and swooping in and save the day because that was what I was used to the packaging is going to look different when I think about my kids and just like the different people that have come into their life they have a voids that are present every now and again it'll come up and pop up but then it's like wait but they've gained look what they've gained in in that place not that it that will fix it but it's just something that is always there they will always be covered and so you can't get upset when you're allowing certain things to happen because you're so focused on the word choices that you're completely missing the action. For instance, if you have someone that's telling you that they love you and they're going to marry you, I'm going to marry you. And you seen that TikTok, you know, I, I'm on TikTok, if you don't know, under Toy Time Blog. But on TikTok, they have this one TikTok that says, what about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow? And some of us are listening to that tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And that person's actions is saying, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to stand up to you and give you what you need. I'm never going to give you what you want. I'm never going to make you feel secure. I'm never going to marry you. I'm never going to give you these things because I don't think that you're deserving. And you're saying, but tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. The reality of it is, is you're paying more close attention to the person's word instead of their actions. If someone tells that they're going to do something, I say, oh, that's so nice. But when I think about the action, when the action doesn't line up to the words, I've been writing it down. Right. Because I'm I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if it's I want to say it's the age because, you know, I feel like I'm at 40 now. So I can start saying, you know, I'm old. I'm my age. I'm getting older. But the reality of it is, it's been like this for a while. I feel like I have like a Dory, like I will remember, I won't remember something. And it's like, I'll blank out in a five seconds. So I've been writing everything down. And in writing everything down, I can go back and reflect, did that person's word add up to what they said? 
If you tell me you're going to do something by X amount of day and you don't do it, things happen, right? Life happens, right? I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when someone says continuously that they're going to do, but they never show up. I used to have this family that we were really close with and they would always say, oh, I'm going to, you know, let's say for something as an example, I'm going to come to your children's party. She, he, them, they would get so upset when I wouldn't come to like, I would come to theirs or like I would have something I really couldn't come and they would blow a gasket about me not being there. I mean, it was like larger than life. And I'm never the type of person that says I'm coming to something then I don't show, but they would just get upset. Like how you dare not, you not be involved. How could you not? And guess what? When I had to look at it, they hadn't been involved in my kid's life in years, but they expected this level of expectation that I was supposed to drop everything and, and be there for them. And mind you, and I had been doing it. Like I had been showing up, sending gifts, even when there wasn't parties, just like, just like clockwork. But when I took a step back and I wrote down the action versus the word, it made it very easy for me to just, you don't even have to make no church announcement. Like you don't got to be like, hey, 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 we're not going to be friends or hey, 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 we're not as close as we used to be. Kind of let nature take us course. We just drifted apart. Right. I have love for them. I wish them well. But sometimes you can just let things naturally drift apart. You know, I used again this whole when you're in your 20s and you want to be loud and you want somebody to know that you're trying to hurt them. You don't really there's nothing that comes from that. You wanting to make sure that that person knows that you're upset with them, that you're dissatisfied with them. Again, that's that notion of let me let you know how bad you did me. I'm going to tell you off. I'm coming for you. That stuff don't work when you get older. You get older and you get smarter. You know better. You know not to do that. You know it's not worth it. And so now I just match, match action. And I'm also about matching people's energy. I have been, I've been around some beautiful, beautiful people because I allow myself to be in these types of situations where I'm around beautiful people with beautiful spirits. And so when you recognize that somebody is saying one thing, but their spirit, you get around them and you start feeling ill, something goes wrong. You're feeling like something ain't adding up. Trust your instinct. Trust your instinct. It's literally trying to warn you. And it's almost like a sign of protection so that you don't get too close, too deep, too soon. But we ignore that, right? Because they have said everything we want to hear, but we're not hearing the action. I had some friends that ask me about dating advice and I'm like, listen, trust your gut, but watch their response when they tell you they're going to do something early on, like in their early on in a dating situation, you want to impress somebody. So you're going to be and do. If you find yourself in a dating situation and it's very early in the game and they're already coming out the woodworks with stuff, trust that they're going to do that at the end right? They're going to get worse and showing you that they're not just that they're not fully interested. They're not fully invested. Do you know how many people multi date? And I'm so here for that. I kind of wish I had done more of that when I was in my 20s and 30s and did it openly and proudly not. I mean, I did it. But I wanted to be like, yes, I want you to know that I'm going out with somebody on Saturday, I will see you on Sunday, like really multi date right? And the beautiful thing about multi dating is that you get to just be around different people, you kind of get to see what you like, what you don't like. And you can assess something and cut it off very early. But when you're dating someone, they're really in their impressive move, like that first one or two years, you really don't you're starting to scratch the surface of like who they are, because they send their best representatives, right? They come on time, they're clean. And then you, you know, as you get 
longer into the relationship, you find eh, they're not always clean. They're a little bit of a slob. You know, they're not as nice. You know, when they get angry, they're not nice. So what happens when they get angry with you? Or, you know, when they're in traffic and they're getting all upset and then they have that same shortness with you, you would have already noticed it if you were paying attention to their actions. I say all that to say this. Sometimes we have to take a step back and really evaluate people's actions. That is why I'm so grateful for what Monique said about really, really getting into the, the nitty gritty of your life around your real family and your real friends. Do they think that you're loving? Do your friends think that you're a loving and caring person outside of the deeds that you do? Like you can give somebody something so much that they don't even pay attention to the nastiness and shortness and the craftiness of your words. They come to you with a problem and you're quick to throw yourself in there instead of being a listening ear. Do your real friends think that you're sweet, loving and understanding? Does your husband and wife think you're loving, sweet, understanding? Now get, listen, we all have our struggles. We all have back and forth. We're always going to have a disagreement, but genuinely do they think that you're a loving, sweet, and understanding person because if you're not encouraging them and you're nasty and you treat them like a child they're not going to think that any point of view is loving sweet they'll say you have nice tendencies right you have loving tendencies you can be nice sometimes but if your mate the person by which you're sharing your life with doesn't think that you're understanding doesn't think that you're loving doesn't think that you're caring you better go back and change that it's accountability if my children can go and tell one of their friends, not because they're mad, I'm talking about even on their good days, if they don't think that I'm loving, caring and understanding, then I got a mother right, I got to go back and remother, right? I got to go back and apologize. I got to go back and show them with my actions, not just my words. If the people in your job think you're the rudest person, you're the most ignorant, you don't have no type of niceness in your mouth. And trust me, there are some people who work at these jobs every single day and they have these testimonies where you can just be like, no, they ain't never nice. Don't talk to them. They're not cool. They're always rude. They're never nice. They never smile. They have a bad attitude. This is what you're, this is what people are really thinking of you. And as much as we want to say that what people think doesn't matter, you better rethink that. It doesn't matter when people are saying things that, you know, they're not around you and they're only holding on to a, a part of you from the past. That, that's one thing. But when people are consistently saying the same thing, everybody ain't telling the same lie. My mother taught me that you can say what you want, but not everybody is saying the same lie. They may have bits and parts of that lie, but if everybody is saying the same thing about you, you better go ahead and figure out that, that there's some truth to that. When I was in therapy, one of the first gut punches that I had to receive is as much as I wanted to come to the table with what everybody did. Everybody made me mad. Nobody was there. Everybody shut me out. I wasn't this and I wasn't that. The gut punch was, and where were you? What did you do? What did you say? Did you own it? Did you say sorry? Did you fix it? That's the first gut punch of therapy. And newsflash for people who have never done therapy. Therapy is not laying on somebody's couch, telling them your life story, and they pat you out on your back, and they send you on your way with a lollipop. There have been times I have left therapy angry, and I said I wasn't going back, but I took my behind back. There was times when I left sad, depressed, and had to go to sleep for an hour just because I was so worked up because of the things that I had to get gut punch about the things that I was not doing, about the person that I was becoming and the things that was being brought out. 
Therapy is a two-way street. This is exactly why some people quit therapy because once you get punched in the stomach, it's like, do I go back and keep getting punched? Yes. If you want to get back and get right, you will. It hurts like hell because you want everybody to be wrong, but sometimes, sometimes you're the problem. I have to admit, I was some very toxic 20-year-old, right? I was very toxic in my early 30s, very cutthroat, very ignorant, ready to fight, ready, all these different things, but I had to take accountability. So when I heard Monique say, do your family think that, listen, I'm at a point where I can receive that. If you're 20 something years old and you're not ready to receive that, just wait. I promise you, if you live a little longer, you will be ready to receive that. But I pray that you get to therapy or whatever you need so that you can get there quicker. If you're in your 50s and 60s and you're not ready to receive that lesson that if you went back in time and you had an authentic conversation with the closest people in your life and they were like, nah, you weren't cool. Nah, you weren't nice. You weren't understanding. You were problematic. You were cutthroat. You never listened to me. You never cared. Those things matter. You cannot hide under the, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And those who rock with me, rock with me. And those who don't, that sounds like somebody who's not willing to take that gut punch to become better. Because when you take the accountability and you really stand on your actual truth, both ways, I promise you, you'll get better. I couldn't even imagine being in this place right now on a podcast, telling the world that I was willing to take accountability for being toxic, Right. I couldn't even imagine saying something like that because my stance was what they said, they said, they said, they said, but now I have to look at what did I do? What did I say? What did they do? Accountability isn't a walk in a park all the time. Accountability hurts. Accountability sucks, but accountability is necessary. So who does your family think you are? Are you nice? Are you understanding? Are you loving? I ask that and I'm going to continue to ask myself that every single day with my family, with my friends. When you now, since we've been in pandemic, you've had almost a whole year and a half, almost two years to get it right. Right. At that time, there should have been some soul searching because you weren't able to be around people. So you really had to do a lot of soul searching. At least that's how I took it. Along with my therapy, I think me and my therapist met a lot more during pandemic than we've had any other time, but it was necessary, right? A lot of things going on, stress, children, families, work, businesses, all kinds of things, relationships, not being able to see people that mattered to me. And you got to take accountability. If you get nothing else from this whole thing, you got to take accountability for what you're doing. If you ask yourself that every single day, and you know what? This is the reason why I humble myself and ask my children to forgive me when I don't get it right. Because I don't feel like it's above me. It's above me now to say I'm sorry, but then also accompany that sorry with some change. It's not above me when my kids are concerned. Because I want them to not only see how it's done to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness and change, but I want them to know that what they were thinking and how they felt at that moment when I said something off was valid. The worst thing you can do is make a child feel like they were invalid for how they felt because that's what they carry. They don't care about all the stuff you've given them. They carry that part. There's some grown people walking around as children from the hurt and pain that they received from the adults in their life because nobody thought that what they were saying and what they were going through at that moment was valid enough to come back and apologize and to make it right. So I just want to end this by saying, 
does your family and your closest friends think that you're understanding, that you're loving, and that you're caring? And if you don't know the answer to that, or you can't say 100% that that is the case, I want you to take a step back and do some accountability. I want you to do accountability by not just saying, well, yeah, I knew I was wrong, but then what are you going to do with that? Are you going to be wrong and change? Are you going to be wrong and do, and do better? Are you going to be wrong and stand in that truth and then go back and humble yourself and apologize for your part and then do better with that information? Today's episode is about accountability. Who do the people closest to you think that you truly are? I'm not talking about the mistakes that you've made. You've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. There's mistakes that I'll openly talk about and some that I just are so painful that I may never talk about. But beyond those things, who do they truly believe that you are? Think about that. We will see you next week. Next Friday, as always, come prepare for your favorite, your favorite drink. If you're on the treadmill or working out, I want you to be able to make sure that you put all that energy into your workout. Listen, I love, 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 love listening to podcasts while I'm working out. It just gives me all of the energy. So I hope that it's doing the same for you because listen, you're trying to get your best life together and get your body right or get your health together. I am so here for it. Um, we all got to figure out how we can do better with our lives. And that comes in how we eat, how we, you know, what we're doing. So I totally, totally, totally get it. I did not start off the podcast with the national holiday. Tomorrow is Juneteenth. You know, we are free ish. We ain't not always free. So that's tomorrow. But today is go fishing day, international panic day, (laughs) international picnic day, and take a road trip and national splurge. So if you got a couple of coins to take a road trip and take get yourself a picnic at the same time, you almost got three out of the five already knocked out. But don't forget tomorrow's Juneteenth. Juneteenth, follow me on the blog at www.toytime, that's T-O-I-T-I-M-E dot org. Trust and believe we're going to celebrate Juneteenth. I have all kinds of content all uh, weekend long and into the next week. So we will be back with each other next Friday. I cannot wait. I'm hoping that you're going to have the most relaxing weekend. I plan to be pretty busy this weekend. There's a lot of uh, events that are going on in Philadelphia that I'm starting to get my feet wet and getting back out the door safely, of course, and I am fully vaccinated. In addition to that, um, Father's Day is this weekend. So shower your most amazing fathers that you have in your life, your father figures. Um, my dad, who is my stepdad, I call my dad, he's not my stepfather, but I love him. He has been a standout guy. Um, and he's just stood up for me as a little kid and has been involved in my life since I was like five years old. I'm 40. So that's 35 years of love, 35 years of encouragement, 35 years of parenting. So shout out to my dad, Charles, uh, for being amazing. And to my husband, who's an amazing father to our children and to my brother, to his daughters, I hope that all men in my life and especially my grandfather, Curtis Allen Sr., I'm going to give him his full due because that man is just one of the most outstanding men I have ever met in my entire life. Um, So all amazing fathers this weekend. I want to you to just have the, the weekend of your life. I hope the women in your life are totally, totally showering you with love. I'll see you next week. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Have a great weekend.
Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.